Section number 23 of Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 1. Exploration of the World by Jules Verne. Part 2. Chapter 1. Part 1a. The Conquerors of Central America. The letters and narratives of Columbus and his companions, especially those dwelling upon the large quantity of gold and pearls found in the recently discovered countries, had inflamed the imagination of eager traders and of numbers of gentlemen who loved adventure. On the 10th of April, 1495, the Spanish government had issued an order allowing anyone who might wish to do so to go and discover new countries. But this privilege was so much abused, and Columbus complained so bitterly of its trenching upon established rights, that the permission was withdrawn on the 2nd of June, 1497, and four years later it became necessary to repeat the prohibition with more severe penalties attached to its infringement. The effect of the royal decree was at once to produce a kind of general rush to the Indies, and this was favored by Bishop Fonseca of Badajoz, through whose hands passed all business connected with the Indies, and of whom Columbus had had so much reason to complain. The admiral had but just left San Lucar on his third voyage, when four expeditions of discovery were fitted out almost at the same moment, at the cost of some rich shipowners, foremost among whom we find Pinzons and Americas Vespucius. The first of these expeditions, which left the port of Santa Maria on the 20th of May, 1499, consisted of four vessels, and was commanded by Alonso Ojeda. Juan de la Cosa sailed with him as pilot, Americus Vespucius was also on board, but without any very clearly defined duties, but he would seem to have been astronomer to the fleet. Before entering on a brief account of this voyage, we will glance for a few moments at the three men whom we have just named. The last of the three especially plays a most important part in the discovery of the new world, which received its name from him. Ojeda, born at Cuenca about 1465, and brought up in the household of the Duke Medina Sely, had gained his first experience in arms in the wars against the Moors. Columbus enrolled him amongst the adventurers whom he recruited for his second voyage, when Ojeda distinguished himself alike by his cool courage and his readiness in surmounting all difficulties. What caused his complete rupture with Columbus remains a mystery. It appears still more inexplicable when we think of the distinguished services that Ojeda had rendered, especially in 1495, at the Battle of La Vega, when the Caribbean Confederation was annihilated. All we know is that on Ojeda's return to Spain, he found shelter and protection with Bishop Fonseca. It is said even that the Indian ministers supplied him with the journal of the admiral's last voyage, and the map of the countries which Columbus had discovered. 
The first pilot employed by Ojeda was Juan de la Cosa, born probably in Santona, in the Biscayan country. He had often sailed along the coast of Africa before accompanying Columbus on his first voyage, while in the second expedition he filled the post of hydrographer, Maestro de Hacer Cartes. As specimens of La Cosa's talent in drawing maps may be mentioned two very curious ones still extant, one showing all the territory that had been acquired in Africa in 1500, the other on vellum, and enriched with color like the first, giving the discoveries made by Columbus and his successors. The second pilot was Bartholomew Roldan, who had likewise sailed with Columbus on his voyage to Paria. As to Americus Vespucius, his duties were not, as we have said, very clearly defined. He was there to aid in making discoveries, per agitare a descopere, says the Italian text of his letter to Soldarini, born at Florence on the ninth of March, 1451, Amerigo Vespucci belonged to a family of distinction and wealth. He had made mathematics, natural philosophy, and astrology, as it was then called, his special duties. His knowledge of history and literature, judging from his letters, appears to have been somewhat vague and ill-digested. He left Florence in 1492 without any special aim in view, and went to Spain, where he occupied himself at first in commercial pursuits. We hear of him in Seville acting as factor in the powerful trading house of his fellow countryman, Juanoto Berardi. As this house had advanced money to Columbus for his second voyage, it is not unlikely that Vespucius had become acquainted with the admiral at this period of his career. On Juanoto's death in 1495, Vespucius was placed by his heirs at the end of the financial department of the house. Whether he may have been tired of a situation that he thought below his powers, or been seized in his turn with the fever for making new discoveries, or whether he hoped to make his fortune rapidly in the new countries reputed to be so rich, whatever in short may have been the motive that actuated him, at least this we know that he joined Ojeda's expedition in 1499, this fact being so stated in Ojeda's deposition in the lawsuit instituted by the treasury with the heirs of Columbus. The flotilla, consisting of four vessels, set sail on the 20th of May from Santa Maria, taking a southwesterly course, and in 27 days the American continent was sighted at the place which was named Venezuela, because the houses being built upon piles reminded the beholders of Venice. Ojeda, after some ineffectual attempts to hold intercourse with the natives, with whom he had several skirmishes, next saw the island of Margarita. After sailing about 250 miles to the east of the river Orinoco, he reached the Gulf of Paria, and entered a bay called the Bay of Las Perlas for the natives of that part being employed in the pearl fisheries. Guided by the maps of Columbus, Ojeda passed by the Dragon's Mouth, which separates Trinidad from the continent, and returned westward to Cape La Vela. Then, after touching at the Caribbean Islands, where he made a number of prisoners, whom he hoped to sell for slaves in Spain, he was obliged to cast anchor at Joaquimo in Hispaniola on the 5th of September, 1499. Columbus, knowing Ojeda's courage and his restless spirit only too well, 
feared that he would introduce a new element of discord into the colony. He therefore dispatched Francesco Roldan with two caravels to inquire into his motives in coming to the island, and if necessary to prevent his landing. The admiral's fears were but too well grounded. Ojeda had scarcely landed before he had an interview with some of the malcontents, inciting them to a rising as Aragua, and to a determination to expel Columbus. After some skirmishes which had not ended to Ojeda's advantage, a meeting was arranged for him with Roldan, Diego de Escobar, and Juan de la Cosa. When they prevailed upon him to leave the island, he took with him, says la Casas, a prodigious cargo of slaves whom he sold in the market at Cadiz for enormous sums of money. He returned to Spain in February 1500, where he had been preceded by Americus Vespucius and B. Roldan on the 18th of October 1499. The most southerly point that Ojeda had reached in his voyage was four degrees north latitude, and he had only spent fourteen weeks on the voyage of discovery, properly so called. If we appear to have dwelt at some length upon this voyage, it is because it was the first one made by Vespucius. Some authors, Varnhagen, for instance, and quite recently Mr. H. Major, in his history of Prince Henry the Navigator, assert that Vespucius' first voyage was in 1497, and consequently that he must have seen the American continent before Columbus. But we prefer to follow Humboldt, who spent so many years in studying the history of the discovery of America, in his opinion that 1499 was the right date. Also M. Ed. Charton and M. Jules Codine, the latter of whom discussed this question in the report of the Geographical Society for 1873, apropos of Mr. Major's book. If it were true, says Voltaire, that Vespucius had discovered the American continent, yet the glory would not be his. It belongs undoubtedly to the man who had the genius and courage to undertake the first voyage to Columbus. As Newton says in his argument with Leibniz, the glory is due only to the inventor. But we agree with M. Codine when he says, how can we allow that there was an expedition in 1497 which resulted in the discovery of above 2,500 miles of the coastline of the mainland when there is no trace of it left either among the great historians of that time or in the legal dispositions in connection with the claims made by the heir of Columbus against the Spanish government in which the priority of the discoveries of each leader of an expedition is so carefully mentioned? with the part of the coast explored by each. Finally, the authentic documents extracted from the archives of the Casa de Contratación make it evident that Vespucius was entrusted with the preparation of the vessels destined for the third voyage of Columbus at Seville and at San Lucar from the middle of August 1497 till the departure of Columbus on the 30th of May 1498. The narratives of the voyages of Vespucius are very diffuse and wanting in precision and order. The information they give upon the places he visited is so vague that it might apply to one part of the coast as well as to another. As to the localities treated of, as well as of the companions of Vespucius, 
there are no indications given of a nature to aid the historian. Not a single name is given of any well-known person, and the dates are contradictory in those famous letters which have given endless work to commentators. Humboldt says of them, There is an element of discord in the most authentic documents relating to the Florentine navigator. We have given an account of Ojeda's first voyage, which coincides with that of Vespucius, according to Humboldt, and who has compared the principal incidents of the two narratives. Varnhagen asserts that Vespucius, having started on the 10th of May, 1497, entered the Gulf of Honduras on the 10th of June, coasted by Yucatan and Mexico, sailed up the Mississippi, and at the end of February, 1498, doubled the Cape of Florida. After anchoring for 37 days at the mouth of the St. Lawrence, he returned to Cadiz in October 1498. If Vespucius had really made this marvelous voyage, he would have far outstripped all the navigators of his time, and would have fully deserved that his name should be given to the newly discovered continent, whose coastline he had explored for so great a distance. But nothing is less certain, and Humboldt's opinion has hitherto appeared to the best writers to offer the largest amount of probability. Americus Vespucius made three other voyages. Humboldt identifies the first with that of Vincent Yanez Pinzon, and M. Davazac with that of Diego de Lepe, 1499-1500. At the close of this latter year, Giuliano Bartolomeo de Giocondo induced Vespucius to enter the service of Emmanuel, King of Portugal, and he accomplished two more voyages at the expense of his new master. On the first of these two voyages, he was no higher in command than he had been in his earlier ones, and only accompanied the expedition as one whose intimate acquaintance with all nautical matters might prove of service under certain circumstances. During this voyage, the ships coasted along the American shores from Cape St. Augustine to 52 degrees of south latitude. The fourth voyage of Vespucius was marked by the wreck of the flagship, off the island of Fernando de Norona, which prevented the other vessels from continuing their voyage towards Malacca by way of the Cape of Good Hope, and obliged the crews to land at All Saints Bay in Brazil. This fourth voyage was unquestionably made with Gonzalo Coelho, but we are quite ignorant as to who was in command on the third voyage. These various expeditions had not tended to enrich Vespucius while his position at the Portuguese court was so far from satisfactory that he determined to re-enter the service of the King of Spain. By him he was made piloto mayor on the 22nd of March, 1508. There were some valuable emoluments attached for his advantage to this appointment, which enabled him to end his days, if not as a rich man, at least as one far removed from want. He died at Seville on the 22nd of February, 1512, with the same conviction as Columbus that he had reached the shores of Asia. Americus Vespucius is especially famous from the New World having been named after him, instead of being called Columbia, as in all justice it should have been. But with this Vespucius had nothing to do. He was for a long time charged, though most unjustly, with impudence, falsehood, and deceit, it being alleged that he wished to veil the glory of Columbus 
and to arrogate himself to the honor of discovery which did not belong to him. This was an utterly unfounded accusation, for Vespucius was both loved and esteemed by Columbus and his contemporaries, and there is nothing in his writings to justify this calumnious assertion. Seven printed documents exist which are attributed to Vespucius. They are the abridged accounts of his four voyages, two narratives of his third and fourth voyages, in the form of letters addressed to Lorenzo de Pierre Francesco de Medici, and a letter addressed to the same nobleman, relatives to the Portuguese discoveries of the Indies. These documents, printed and bound up as small, thin volumes, were soon translated into various languages and distributed throughout Europe. It was in the year 1507 that a certain Hyla Colimus, whose real name was Martin Walzemuller, first proposed to give the name of America to the new part of the world. He did so in a book printed in St. Die, called Cosmographia Introductio. In 1509, a small geographical treatise appeared at Strasbourg, adopting the proposal of Hylocolumus, and in 1520, an edition of Pomponius Mela was printed at Basle, giving a map of the New World with the name of America. From this time, the number of works employing the denomination proposed by Waltzmüller increased perpetually. Some years later, when Waltzmüller was better informed as to the real discoverer of America and of the value to be placed upon the voyages of Vespucius, he eliminated from his book all that related to the latter and substituted everywhere the name of Columbus for that of Vespucius. But it was too late. The same error has prevailed ever since. As to Vespucius himself, it seems very unlikely that he was at all aware of the excitement which prevailed in Europe, nor what was passing at St. Die. The testimony that has unanimously borne to his honorable and upright conduct should surely clear him from the unmerited accusations which have for too long a time clouded his memory. Three other expeditions left Spain almost at the same time as that of Ojeda. The first of these, consisting of but one vessel, sailed from Barra Saltes in June 1499. Pierre Alonso Nino, who had served under Columbus in his two last voyages, was its commander, and he was accompanied by Cristobal Guerra, a merchant of Seville, who probably defrayed the expenses of the expedition. The voyage to the coast of Paria seems to have been dictated more by the hope of lucrative commerce than by the interests of science. No new discoveries were made, but the two voyages returned to Spain in April 1500, bringing with them so large a quantity of valuable pearls as to excite the cupidity of their countrymen, who became anxious to try their own fortunes in the same direction. The second expedition was commanded by Vincent Yanez Pinzon, the younger brother of Alonso Pinzon, who had been captain of the Pinta and had shown so much jealousy of Columbus, even adopting the following mendacious device. A Castilla y a Leon, Nuevo Mundo de Pinzon. Yanez Pinzon, whose devotion to the admiral equaled his brother's jealousy, had advanced an eighth part of the funds required for the expedition of 1492, and had on that occasion been in command of the Nina. 
he set out in december fourteen ninety nine with four vessels of which only two returned to palos at the end of september fifteen hundred he touched the coast of the newly discovered continent at a point near the shore visited by ojeda some months before and explored the coast for some two thousand four hundred miles discovering cape st augustine at eight degrees twenty minutes south latitude following the coastline in a northwesterly direction to rio grande which he named santa maria de la mar dulce and continuing in the same direction as far as cape st vincent diego de lepe explored the same coast with two caravels from january to june fifteen hundred there is nothing particular to record of this voyage beyond the very important observation that was made on the direction of the coastline to the continent starting from cape st augustine lepe had but just returned to spain when two vessels left cadiz equipped by rodrigo de bastidas a wealthy and highly respectable man with the view of making some fresh discoveries but above all with the object of collecting as large a quantity of gold and pearls as possible for which were to be bartered glass beads and other worthless trifles juan de la cosa whose talents as a navigator were proverbial and who knew these coasts well from having explored them was really at the head of the expedition the sailors went on shore and saw the rio sinu the gulf of arabia and reached the puerto de retrete or de los escribanos in the isthmus of panama this harbor was not visited by columbus till the twenty sixth of november fifteen o two it is situated about seventeen miles from the once celebrated but now destroyed town of nombre de dios in fact this expedition which had been organized by a merchant became thanks to juan de la cosa one of the voyages of the most fertile in discoveries but alas it came to a sad termination the vessels were lost in the gulf of zaragua and bastides and la cosas were obliged to make their way to land by santo domingo when they arrived there bovedilla the upright man and model governor whose infamous conduct to columbus were already mentioned had them arrested on the plea that they had brought some gold from the indians of zaragua he sent them off to spain which was only reached after a fearfully stormy voyage some of the vessels being lost on the way after this expedition so fruitful in results voyages of discovery became less frequent for some years the spaniards being occupied in asserting their supremacy in the countries in which they had already founded colonies end of part two chapter one part one a